Father, we thank you, Father, for this time that you have given to us once again. In the middle of the work week, that we should come to your house this evening, that we should be able to listen to your voice. Father, I am absolutely inadequate, O Lord, to speak your word. Unless you anoint me and Lord quicken me, I cannot speak anything. We will just fall flat to the ground. But Lord, if it's anointed and backed up by your authority, Father, it will stand. Not because it's me, Father, but it is, it is because it's your word. And therefore, let your word come forth with clarity. Father, whatever mistakes that may be there, I pray, Father, that you would overshadow them, O Lord. And you would, Lord, take the words that you have ordained from your throne room of grace and feed it to us, your people. So that, Lord, we'll be truly set free and live a life of victory. Because we desire your majesty, O Lord, that we might live by your decree. Therefore, establish righteousness, as, righteousness in us, O Lord, that we might be victorious, which is only possible in you, O Lord. Let the words of the song that we have sung be true in our lives. And therefore, to that end, we pray that you would anoint us, the speaking and the hearing. And let this word bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. We'll continue our study on uh, what we've, uh, what Pastor was sharing on Sunday. Freedom or liberty. So we'll talk about today, standing fast in the liberty. Even as we have sung today, that we desire His majesty. I like that word, desire. I'm beginning to like it more and more. Desire His majesty. That we might live by His decree. That He would establish righteousness in us. That we might be victorious. All that is possible where? In Him. Amazing verse. So we'll study what it means to be in Him in, in, more, in more detail in the coming days, even as we continue to study, we'll just keep growing, hopefully, in the Lord. It'll just not be head knowledge, but it'll become life in us. Galatians chapter 5. Um, okay. Alright. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 onward. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That was the verse for last Sunday. I hope you remember that. It's important that we refresh ourselves constantly because the birds of the air will come and rob the word that is sown in our hearts unless we guard the word that is sown into our lives. Very important for us to understand that. Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which we, which Christ has made us free. This made us free is a word, verb, liberty is a noun. Both of them actually are the same, they come from the same root word in Greek. To be made free and to stand fast in the liberty. The liberty is what is given to us and we have been made free by Christ. And he says, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's the, that's the call for everyone. Don't be in bondage to sin when you are, when you have been made free. You need to understand that this is what we are. Made free. 
That's the call of God right from the beginning. He told Cain, sin is crouching at the door. But his desire is for you. But you should master him. That's what he told Cain. And that's what he tells everybody. That's what he told the Pharisees in John's Gospel chapter 8 verse 30 onwards. This will be the primary text for today's message. Primary text meaning from this we will launch into the central part of the message. John's Gospel chapter 8 verse 30 to 34. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Okay. Many believed. You know, a lot of people... When he spoke the words, when he saw the miracles, that's what it says in John's Gospel chapter 2, when so many believed in Jesus when they saw the miracles that he, that he had done. You know, unlike most of us, but Jesus doesn't get excited with crowds. When many believe, he tells them, he wants to put them through a filter, he wants to filter out the dross, he wants to weed out the dead weed, so he tells them something else. Many believed. Did they believe? Yeah, they did. Apparently, that's what the text, that's what the text says. And verse thirty-one. And then Jesus said to those who believed in him, "If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed." Other translations will say, "You are truly my disciples." That means there could be false disciples too. If you abide in my word, so he's telling those people who are coming and believing in this, they've heard the gospel, they've heard the message. You know, a lot of people hear, hear the message from an anointed preacher. They say, wow, what words? What a, what a message, brother. But they don't continue to abide in the word. They're only t- tickled in their ears and they possibly are excited in their flesh for a little while because of the anointing on the preacher. But they are really not moved to become true disciples. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, or truly my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The same verb again. You see that? The same verb. You shall be made free. Stand fast in the liberty in which Christ has made you free. The same verb, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So how do you enjoy the liberty if you know the truth? And how would you know the truth if you are a true disciple? How do you become a true disciple if you abide in his word? You see the connection? And you want to enjoy true freedom? You need to be a disciple. Think about it, no? Um, In our old... Uh, I want to be your chela. How do you become my chela? If I become your chela, in other words, if I become your disciple, that's a word in Hindi. If I become your chela, if I want to become your disciple, if I become your disciple, then I will be free. I mean, it it sounds very ironical, right? How do I become your chela? In other words, be under somebody's submission and be free. He will tell you what to do. No, do this, do that, do this, do that, all the time. Are disciples really free? That's what he's telling. He says, abide in my word. You will become truly my disciples. You will know the truth if you become my disciples. In other words, Jesus will not reveal himself to anybody and everybody. No. 
No, 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 no. And in fact, in fact, when the teaching became hard, many of his so-called disciples left him. And then he looked at the 12 people and he said, do you want to leave me as well? Then you know what Peter said? Where shall we go, Lord? You alone have the words of life. You have the words of life. In other words, he was telling, he was telling God, Lord, we don't know about all this, but Lord, we know something. You, are, you speak the words of life. When you speak, there's something about you. There's authority. There is life. Where can we go? We, are your, we want to abide in the teaching that you have given to us. And therefore, we know that Apostle Peter and of course are the, uh, the 11 apostles except Judas were free. They became free eventually, right? So then, and verse 33, the moment you say, you know, when the, when the, when the, when the, when the moment Jesus asks somebody to become disciples, they have problem. You know? Disciples means, it comes from the word discipline. Whenever the teaching becomes really hard, they will always have objections. And they are not any different from us. You will see the next verse which says, Then they answered, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. (laughs) How can you say you will be made free? In other words, I have been born in a democratic country. I am free. I already got my independence. What are you talking about? Freedom. I have the right to choose. I've been made free. Or I'm Abraham's child. What are you talking about? I'm already a disciple. I've been a Christian from birth. (laughs) I've been a Christian from birth. And you're never Christian from birth. So Isaac Puran said, Jesus didn't come to die for Christians. He came to die for sinners. (laughs) Unless you accept the fact that you're a sinner, you'll never become a true Christian. (laughs) We all, we all are descendants of Abraham. What are you talking about? And then Jesus tells the definition of freedom. Verse 34. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, very, 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 in other translations will say, verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever commits sin <laughs> is a slave to sin. You understand this? He says, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Boy, it's a deep verse, a lot of meaning. In other words, he's saying, you are not a sinner because you commit sins. You sin because you are a sinner. You commit sins because there is something inside of you which is causing you to sin, you see. You are a slave to sin. In other words, that is something which is empowering your sins. You see, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And this particular uh, language is, by the way, is not new to the new covenant. It's there everywhere. Romans chapter 7 verse 8. But sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire for apart from the law sin was dead. Why? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Look at this. But sin, this, sin, 
taking occasion by the commandment produced all manner of evil desires. It produced sins. For apart from the law, sin was dead. So what is empowering these evil desires is sin. That's what is empowering the evil desires. And therefore Jesus is saying, as long as you are a slave to sin, you will always keep committing sins. You are never really free. You are never, never really free. The question today we need to ask ourselves, who is my master? Is it God or is it sin? We are either a slave of sin and therefore in bondage or a slave of righteousness and therefore free. We are slaves either, either way. We are either slave of sin and therefore in bondage or slave of righteousness and therefore free. You know, Sundar Krishnan made a very powerful statement. He said, true freedom is the ability to do whatever we want. True freedom is the ability to do whatever we want, whatever we want, when whatever we want is what we ought to do. In other words, when you do something, when you commit something for the rest of your life, for all eternity, if it doesn't leave any regrets, and if you are free to do that, that is true freedom. Otherwise, that is not true freedom. So, then, I, then, then you know, the next question obviously should be, the, the Pharisees didn't ask these questions. They were very upset with him. No, they said, what are you talking about? Abraham's son... And Jesus goes on to say that that particular chapter in John's gospel is a, is a remarkable chapter. It starts off with the woman caught in adultery, right? They want to do what to her? Stone her. You know how it ends? They want to stone Jesus. Chapter 8 starts with the motive to stone the woman caught in the adultery, in the act of adultery. Chapter 8 ends with the, with the motive to stone Jesus. It's a remarkable passage, you know. You know what, what we call as the gloves are off. <laughs> it's like dishum dishum with, with fists now. You know what he's saying? He's saying, we are Abraham's son. We are not born of fornication. And Jesus says something to them. And they said, even more angry, you have a devil. Are you not a Samaritan? Are you, are you, you're not even 30 years old, you're not even 50 years old. You have seen Abraham. Before Abraham was, I am and finished. <laughs> After that, they want to stone him with stones. Amazing. You know, when people are, how religious, especially religious people, they're so upset, they're so angry. Justi- justification by faith alone, apart from the works of the law. Oh my goodness, it's, it drives the entire Muslim world crazy. They say, Apostle Paul is a, is a, is a fake. He is a deceiver. He is the one who corrupted Christianity and the Bible. (laughs) We are either a slave to sin and therefore in bondage or a slave of righteousness and therefore free. In other words, my master is either who? Sin or God. That's the point, you see. My master is either sin or God. We'll come back to that later. So, so if I were in those people's position, I, I hope I would ask this question, Lord, how do I get free, Lord? Please, please, Lord, please, Lord, how do I get free? Please tell me the solution to get free. And Jesus will not always, he will always give us solutions, right? The next verse, John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 35 onwards. What does he say? A slave does not abide in the house for, what is that? A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides in the house 
forever. And to dwell in God's house was the cry of every psalmist. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is my desire that I should dwell in the house of the Lord, Psalm 27, and to behold the beauty of my God. That is the desire. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God, Psalm 91. The desire of every psalmist. You want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Forever, meaning it's not just for this time when you are dwelling in the house of the Lord, at least ostensibly, but I want to dwell in the house of the Lord for all eternity then goodness and mercy should follow. It's it's actually chesed in, in Hebrew. I want to live in the house of the Lord forever. So, he says, a son does not, oh, sorry, a son, uh, a slave does not abide in the house, but a son abides. You see that? Then what should you say? Lord, I'm a slave. Make me a, make me a son. <laughs> That's your automatic question, right? Lord, I want to be a son. I want to be a son. So he says, yeah, absolutely. Therefore, if the son, who is that son? Jesus Christ. If the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Boy, this is new covenant. You see, hope. What a beautiful promise God is giving, Jesus is giving us, giving the Pharisees at that age and they were so angry. So angry. Even today, you know, when you talk to religious people, they get so upset, so angry. So angry, especially religious people. Simon, Simon, when I came to your home, you did not give me water to drink, did not wash my feet, did not anoint my hair with oil, but look at this woman, Simon. From that Time she came. She has not stopped kissing my feet and washing it with her tears. Her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Therefore, whoever has been forgiven much, loveth much. Set free. Oh boy, if the sun makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And that's exactly what Galatians chapter 5 is talking about. You see this, uh, this, 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 this makes you free. It's the same verb. To make, to make you uh, experience liberty. Liberty is a noun, right? So to be made free is to enjoy true liberty. So unless the sun sets us free, we cannot be truly free. So in other words, let me look at the negative side. If you are a slave, you're a slave to what? To sin. You will not abide in God's house. The wages of sin is death. Sin gives you a wage. Who's giving you a wage? Master sin is giving us salary. Right? He gives us salaries. But what does it take away? Time. Everybody know. In your companies you work. You put in 50 hours a week or 40 hours a week and then by the end of the year, another month, you get a salary because of the time that you've given to it. And you say, Ari Baba, I got a salary. But in the process, you have lost also time. That's exactly what sin does. It sucks up your life, gives you a wage and whenever you get wage, you see the money, Ari, must there. 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Boy, it's remarkable, remarkable. No? Can he enter once again into his mother's womb and be born? You should, I was reading during this time of uh, church fasting and prayer. I was reading this book by Sadhu Sundar Singh called The Wisdom of the Sadhu. And people who have come from non-Christian backgrounds, I recommend that book to you. You can use that book as an evangelistical tool. Evangelistic tool, you can give it to your friends. Powerful, powerful book. In one of the chapters of the book, it's, uh, he talks about five holy men. It's a true story, okay? It's a true incident, not a story anymore. Okay? It's, it's a true incident that happened in Sadhu Sundar Singh's life. And this man was an evangelist who traveled the length and breadth of India and Tibet. Nobody knows how he died. He went to Tibet and never came back when he was 40 years old. Okay. Nobody knows how he died. Okay, fine. So, he, 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 he actually traveled the length and breadth of the country and he talks about how he encountered all these sadhus who were really searching for truth. So, he finds one, one of the sadhu who is doing penance. His penance is to hang himself upside down from a tree. So every day for about six, six, six to seven hours, he hangs himself upside down and does penance. And Sadhu comes and asks him, what is this strange act? Why are you <laughs> standing upside down? And look at what he says. This is a book from Wisdom of the Sadhu. This is how the Sadhu replies. Very, very interesting reply. People are greatly amazed to see me hanging head down from a tree. But remember, the creator sets every child head down in the mother's womb. This is my method to serve God and do penance. And he goes on to say, in the eyes of the world it is folly. But in this exercise, I remind myself and others that all of us are, boy, what? Bound by sin. This is the wisdom of a sadhu. Of a holy man, so-called. You know, it's five holy men. He says, I realize that I'm bound by sin. And he actually talks about another incident of another sadhu. He's doing Maunvrat for six years. He doesn't want to speak anything. Maunvrat for six years. So after his penance is over, sadhu comes and says, Are, what is this Maunvrat for six years? And by the time, after six years, he's still not opening his mouth. Has not God given us a tongue to worship him? You know what that other sadhu says? I know, you're right. God has given us a tongue to worship him, but my heart is so evil, but I'm so scared, whatever comes out of my mouth, I know it is not good. It is definitely evil. Those people had it. They understood the depravity of their own heart. And this guy says, we are all bound by sin and lead lives that are that are in God's eyes upside down. So I seek to turn myself upside down again and again until in the end I stand upright in the sight of the God. Again and again, I want to hang myself upside down so that one day I will stand upright in the sight of God. He wants to be born again and again and again. If not this birth, next birth, next birth, next birth. The problem is, it doesn't matter how many births you have unless you have new births from above. Cannot even see the kingdom of God. That is how you become a son. And who causes this? Can you do it by yourself? No way. No way. No way. John, Romans chapter 3 verse 20. By the works of the law. No man is justified in his sight. Because 
by the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3.20. Romans 3.28. We maintain that a man is justified by faith. Martin Luther added the word alone. It's not there in the original, but he understood that. A man is justified by faith alone. That is how sola came, right? Sola scriptura, sola fide, sola grazie, etc. A man is justified by faith alone apart from the works of the law. Nobody, you cannot work your salvation. In other words, you cannot do good works and say, Lord, give me my salvation. No way. Because through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Amazing. That's the reason why Ephesians chapter 2 verses uh, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not by yourself. It is a gift of God. You need to understand, no? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Sin corresponds to God parallelly. Wages corresponds to gift. Death corresponds to eternal life. You see that? Sin corresponds to God. So either God is your master or sin is your master. Sin gives you wages. Sometimes if you work overtime, it will give you overtime also. But in the process it has taken away your time. You don't understand that. Which you will never get back. It sucked up your life. And ultimately gives you what? Death. But what does God give us? He doesn't give us wages. He gives us gifts. Gifts. You don't have to work for anything. Salvation, justification is a gift of gift from God. What about sanctification? Ah, it is also a gift from God. What about the fear of God? It is a gift from God. Everything that God gives us in order to rot eternal life in our lives is a gift. So he gives, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, you can never, never, nobody can come through the Father. John, that is uh, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. You thought you came to your, came by yourself to Grace Tabernacle Church? Just do your track record, no? How you came to GTC. How did I end up in this place? Somebody said, somebody said, somebody said, somebody said, somebody said, somebody said. You know, I, I, I remember one of my mentors when I was in college. I called him and I said, he was a very close friend of mine. He said, I said, I said Anna, I'm so thankful to you, Anna, that you, because of your mentorship, I'm here today. You know what he said, Vijay? Christian life is, a, is like a long chain. In that chain, there are several beads. Every bead comes and plays its part so that you can reach heaven. I've come and I played my part. Think about all the people that God used in your life to bring you to himself. You didn't come on your own, did you? I can see many of your faces. <laughs> I know. <laughs> At least most of your salvation story, I know. Amazing. No one can come to the Father. Otherwise, you'll keep boasting. You know? I searched for GTC and I came. No way. In fact, in fact, when the first time my friend called me, I said, Baba, I don't even want to come to your church. He called me several times, persisting, persisting. He said, Vijay, please come. Vijay, please come. Vijay, please come. Vijay, please come. And I finally, to just escape his torture event, I came to church. And the irony is, I am in, he is out. Strange. <laughs> Strange. 
John's Gospel chapter 6 verse 44. First Peter chapter 1 verse 1, uh, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. In other translations we'll say, it will say, he has caused us to be born again. You never caused your birth, did you? No way. No, none of us caused our birth. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Another verse, which is the famous Grace Tabernacle Church verse, every time we listen to this, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Therefore, the first way he sets us free is he gives us new birth. Apart from our works. You don't have to do anything to earn justification. No way. Nothing. All you need to do is repent. And say, Lord, just as I am without one plea, that that, that, thou, that thy blood should cleanse me. And I come to thee, oh Lord my God, I come, I come, just as I am. And the moment you come, just as you are, he will justify you and he will not leave you the way you are. That's a proud point. He will cause us new birth. The question therefore is, do you know any among your immediate family who have not got new birth? Do you realize their eternal destination? Do you realize? Do you? In these 40 days, will you ask God to give you a burden in your heart that you will pray for your unsaved loved ones from all of your heart? It doesn't matter how good they are. Good they are. If they did not know Lord, you know their eternal destination. Any among you? I don't know. Small children. Are you sure you're born again? You can ask God today. Lord, cause me to be born again, Lord. I just come to you. Give me new birth. He'll give it. As many as received him. He gave them the power to become the children of God. Those who are not born because of the will of man or because of the will of flesh, but of God. That's the first thing he does. He causes us new birth. And all of us have been given new births. So how do we know that we have new birth? He says in First Peter chapter 2, he says, As newborn babies, what should you do? Desire the sincere milk of the word of God so that you can grow up in your salvation. First thing. He gives us new birth. In the process of giving us new birth, he gives us something else also, which I wanted to talk about. Very interesting. He gives us a what? A new standing with God. What does he give us? A new standing with God. Let me just explain what that means. Let's read on. From Romans chapter 5 verse 8 onwards. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Okay, next verse. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if the, if we, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And this is the verse which I want us to really look at. And not only that, what will he do? 
we also rejoice in God. Amazing, know what the song Peter was singing. I love that song. For we desire your majesty that we might live by your decree. Establish righteousness. We desire your majesty. Meaning, before we were born again, we never desired God. Never. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 1, it says we were haters of God. It's not that God was our enemy. We were God's enemies too. We didn't like him. We didn't never liked him. So, but what happens with new birth? Wow. Begin to... Do you see that? I love that, no? When you start rejoicing in God. You start rejoicing in God. I'll tell you something, my brothers and sisters, the only way to overcome sin is to overcome the pleasure that comes with sin. Let me tell you that, honestly. Why do we sin? It's because we love the pleasure that comes with it. We are slaves to sin because we are in bondage to pleasure. We love it. When somebody takes revenge, ah, I gave it. (laughs) And we feel good. Experience lust. We feel good. We enjoy sin. We enjoy the pleasure. And you know, to die to that pleasure is not going to be easy. No way. No way. It's a Powerful force. That's what it says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. We all see that. The flesh is contrary to the spirit. The spirit is contrary to the flesh. And they are what? Enmity against each other. You know, that's what pastor was talking about, right? He said, uh, it's easy to overcome the devil. That's not a big problem. Because I have overcome the devil. It's easy to overcome the world. Because I have overcome the world. But sin. Sin. Romans chapter 8 will say, the carnal mind is enmity. Can you imagine? A fellow, he doesn't like God. He's an enemy of God. The carnal mind is enmity against God and does not submit to the law of God. Indeed, it cannot. And therefore, whoever is in the flesh cannot please God. He cannot. Impossible. He cannot please God. So what, what we need to really, really honestly, the pleasure that comes with sin, we like it a lot. That is the reason why, why when we fast, our tummy cries and we know how much we are slaves to food. And you, I'm telling you honestly, you know, by the time I, I just, let's say, you know, I fast two meals a day. Just I have to say this because it's a corporate fast, it's not a secret fast, no? Two meals a day and by the time I want to come back in the night, Yesterday, I came back and I was expecting the food to be there. Okay. I opened the, the, whatever dish and said, how come the food is so less? And I'm telling you, honestly, it was, it was, I was so angry and upset. And then I went into the kitchen and I said, boy, I'm fasting. How come I'm thinking about food? You see that. Even when you're fasting, it's deceptive. The stomach is craving for something. And what do we do? He said, Baba, I want to put to death through that the deeds. And that is the reason why he says, no, I say with tears, 
There are so many who are contrary, who are the enemies of the cross of Christ. For God is their belly, who is God. And we don't have to point fingers at somebody else. We have to point fingers at our own self when we know the power of hunger and food. Amazing. And we love it. And we want at least that one meal. I want it to be tasty. Amazing. How much we, we enjoy the flesh. We, we placate it. Put to death the deeds of the body. Please. Why do you want to be so radical? Circumcise the foreskin of your flesh, of your heart. Boy, we love the pleasure that comes with sin. Think about it, no? If the sin is taken away and the pleasure is there, will you be free or will you still be in bondage? You'll be free when God gives you another pleasure. It says in Psalm 16 verse 11, at my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> the only way to fight pleasure is with pleasure. No, remember, I, 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 the same thing, no, the Sadhu Sundar sings, uh, five holy men. The last holy man is this, is this, uh, a Buddhist monk who is doing tapasya in, uh, in Tibet. He's set out, he's completely separated from his crowd and he's gone into a cave and there's a hole and people are passing him food reg- at regular intervals just to keep him alive and he's doing penance. So this guy goes and asks him, what is this? Why have you given up everything? I want to kill all my desire. And he says, how ironic. He's not killing all desire. The desire to killing all desire, itself a desire. How can you kill desire? How can you? God has given us those desires. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, desire me and you don't have to come to me and drink and drink and he who comes to me and drinks from the water that I that I give will never thirst again. Will never. Will never. That is true joy. That's what C.S. Lewis says. He says, you know what? In his book, Surprised by Joy, he says, you know what? When I enjoy God, what does he do? He gives me contentment and he gives me dissatisfaction at the same time. How does he do that? He gives me contentment to this level. He gives me a capacity and he makes me content to that level. And after a while, he increases my capacity. I say, Lord, I want you you more. That's what Psalmist says, whom I have in heaven, but you, Lord, there is nothing else I desire apart from you. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. Desire God. Desire God. It's amazing, you know. If you Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, read it carefully. You, I don't have it here, but I have it in my mind. I'll read it for you from my mind, okay? We are the, what? Circumcision. Who worship God in the spirit. And you will say? And rejoice in God and who have no confidence in the flesh. You see, I used to remind it, uh, 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 memorize it this way. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and who have no confidence in the flesh. And some people say, how boring. Let us add something else. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ, 
then we have no confidence in the flesh. First thing, he gives us new births. Second thing, he gives us a new standing with God. In other, in other words, we begin to desire him more. Third, he gives us the ability to become who we are. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. If any man in, is in Christ, everybody should know this Baba by this time. No, If every man, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And all things have become new. All things have they are not going to be made new. They have become new. No, but you know what? Every time I talk to Christians, including people from this church, you know what they'll say? Pastor, you don't know about my past. You do not know what kind of abuse I went through. You do not know how my parents treated me. You do not know what I was. What kind of a background I came from. You know, after a while I really get upset. Really, because I, I used to get upset with myself too, you know. You don't know about my past, my past. Look at this. You know what? One day God rebuked me. He said, you know what? You are a new creation. Don't you realize that? Old things is past. Who's that old Vijay? He's not even there. That's what Peter said, right? Jesus whom? We crucified? You crucified. That means we are not there anymore. We are gone. That old Peter who crucified Jesus is gone. He's gone. You know what you are? You're a new creation. He gives us the ability to become what we really are in Christ. Look at this, what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is amazing verse. Amazing, amazing. If you have it in your Bible, underline it. 5, 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. Look at what it says. Therefore, look at this everybody. Concentrate, concentrate, okay? Therefore, you can look at the, look at the board. Okay, you can write it down later. Therefore, purge out the old living that you may be a new lump since you Truly are unlimited. Wow. <laughs> Have you seen these kinds of sentences anywhere? Take away all the dirt so that we can begin look new. That's what people will say. You know what God is saying? Take away all the dirt because you are new. He comes and says, you are new. I mean, this is not new to the Bible, by the way. This kind of a declaration is not new to the Bible. Look at what it says in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. What is he doing? In the winepress where you are supposed to get wine, he is <laughs> threshing the wheat in order to hide it from the Midianites, and then comes the declaration. I love this declaration. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> the angel came, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Who? Me? me? The Lord is with you. Gideon said, <laughs> immediately he has an objection. Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from the land of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. 
Okay. This is a very interesting question, by the way. He says, Lord, if you're really with us, if I'm really a mighty man of valor, how am I so defeated? Did you ever ask that question to yourself? Not if I'm really a um, new creation, how come I'm defeated by lust, by anger, by pornography, by covetousness, by greed? How come? How come? Did you ever ask? Did you ever ask that question? You know, we, we don't ask those questions because we don't like the answer. Because we love the pleasure. You need to understand, if you've tasted victory, you know, if you've tasted victory, ah, the love of victory, the taste of victory, boy, it's, I cannot even explain it to you. Even if it pains, there's pleasure in victory. That is the reason why I love to see athletes compete. Boy, what they put their bodies through. But what happens when he has got the final winner? He falls down and he says, Wow, this is awesome. You know what Paul says? They do it for a perishable crown. and But we... Or imperishable. Did we ever ask God this question? Lord, if I'm a new creation, how is that I'm defeated? How is that I'm impatient? How is that I I do not exercise self-control? How is it, Lord? How? How, Lord? Did we ask those questions? We don't ask those questions and therefore we don't get answers from God, you see. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall you shall find. Knock. You know there is something something called as aggressive study. How do you study aggressively? You become desperate for God. I'm not. You're not interested in so-called devotions anymore. Woe to me if I'm satisfied with devotions. It's like you know, scraping the surface. It's like what? Scraping the surface. When you scrape the surface, what do you get? Leaves. But if you dig, what do you get? Gold. Gold. A lot of us scrape the surface. We don't like gold. But once you find gold, we all love gold. But we don't want to go through the pain of getting gold. Like pastor was saying, huh? Salvation is free, but promotion is not. <laughs> promotion is not, Baba. Promotion is not. Are we saved because of works? No, 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 no. But we are saved unto works. Yes, for sure. So did not the Lord bring us? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of, his, of yours, and you shall save Israel from the land of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Have you been sent by God? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? Will he not? Who can separate us from the love of Christ? 
In all these we are more than conquerors. That's what he says, right? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who causes us to be victorious in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 56 and 57. Powerful. So what does he say? So he said to him, oh my God, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. Praise God if you, if you acknowledge your weakness. I want people who are humble enough to do that. You know, not to say, oh, I can't do, I can't do, I can't do. You know what Paul says? I glory in my weakness knowing that in, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I boast in it. I would rather boast in my infirmities, in my weaknesses. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Boy. That is how God says you have to purge out. You have to, I'm going to make you. I'm going to do it. I'm, going, I'm, I'm with you. Look at what it says in uh, 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 to 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Beloved, now we are the children of God and it has not yet been revealed. What shall we be? What we shall be? But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And the next verse, everyone who has this hope purifies himself. What do you do? Purge out the leaven, old leaven, as you are indeed truly unleavened. So what does he tell Gideon? Gideon, you want victory? Let me do, let me ask you to do one thing. One thing. One thing. Now the Gideon perceived that he was, he saw that he was, he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, I have seen the face of the angel of the Lord face to face. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. face. Whenever you see the word angel of the Lord, it's essentially the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and he called it, the Lord is peace. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. To this day, it is still in opera of the Abazarites. Next verse. Now it came to pass, the same night, the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and Tear down the altars of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that that is beside it and build an altar to to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day he did it by night but he did it. What did he do? But he did it. You see? Take away. What is that God is asking you to take away? What are the altars that you have erected? Is it there? Is God revealing it to you? Is he revealing? What? 40 days, when church has given us the opportunity, just grab it with both hands. If you are a younger person, okay, and if you are not supposed to fast, don't fast, okay, take medical precautions always, but if you are young, Baba, I tell you, you will enjoy, you will remember this for the rest of your life. This will be a significant aspect in your life. 
A turning point, a spiritual milestone, if, if you will. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay. Whoever commits, next verse. Then what does he do? He gives us a new standing with God. He gives us the ability to become who we are. And in order to give us that ability, he does something. Before we, before we go to that verse, um, let me just uh, skip this. Uh, let's go this. He gives us the ability to become who we are. And then, this is what he does. In order to accomplish that, what does he do? He gives us a gift of anointed teaching. Okay? Remember Pilgrim's Progress? Pilgrim's Progress? The first image that the interpreter shows Pilgrim is this man who's got a very serious face. World behind him, crown on his head, the Bible in his hand, close to his heart. And interpreter looks at him, looks at his face and he says, you know what, look at this picture very carefully, pilgrim. He's still not Christian yet because the burden is on his shoulder. He says, look at this picture very carefully. So Christian looks, I mean, pilgrim looks at the picture and he says, who is this man? He says, look at the world behind him. Do you see that? He said, yeah, I see the world behind him. Do you see the crown on his head? He said, yeah. I see the crown on his head. He says, that is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the Bible in his hand? Close to his heart. He's got the close. He has the word of God written close to his heart and on his lips. And his eyes are towards his heaven. Towards his heaven and towards the heaven. And do you, do you see his face? He says, yeah. How does he look? Very serious. You know what he says? Remember these people in your life. Pilgrim, remember these people in your life. These are the people who cause new birth. These are the people who have the ability to father children. Paul says you have 10,000 teachers, very few fathers. In Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. Follow him. Christian says, okay. You know what it tells me? The face is always serious. We need to understand something, no? There is place for humor. But most men of God are serious people. They are not good company. You cannot come and say, let us joke, crack a joke. That will not happen. They'll be serious. You know why? Because they're serious about their walk with the Lord. Not that they don't have a sense of humor. I'm not talking about that. But they are absolutely serious about the, about the, about the work that God has entrusted into their hands because souls have been entrusted into their hands. Because every soul has two destinations. Either they'll become corrupt eternally or they'll become glorious eternally. Only two destinations. And because of that, there's a gravity. There's very serious people. They're not joke. I know, I know a man of God, no, I think it was Art Cads, if I'm right, 
from the he would uh, there was if there's a meeting and people are coming to the airport to pick him up he would get into the car and he would not speak a single word okay i experienced that with pastor i went to the mission trip in the flight no speaking no flippancy nothing serious and he's coming back still thinking sunday what should i preach do you have a word for sunday okay don't worry okay serious can you just not relax for a minute please come on no 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 serious people and if you have such gifts in the body of christ blessed are you why did i say that i'll tell you why very in a short while and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the ministry for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine why is this important why 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 this is imp- this is very important what is that doctrine very important look at it says look at what it says in romans chapter 6 and this is the last verse for the day and we'll we'll stop 6 verses 15 to 18 not 15 to 14 sorry it's 15 to 18 what then shall we say what then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace certainly not or in other words like pastor was talking about does being under grace make us lawless don't even think about it look at what it says next verse do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey you are that one slaves and i like the kjv here okay kjv is very graphic he says don't you know that whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants you are what does he say his servants whether of sin so sin is a his you see that whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness then what does he say but god be thanked though you were slaves of you were slaves of sin yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to you stop there he doesn't stop there next verse and everybody read it please having been set free from sin you have become slaves of righteousness so how do you get free from sin unless you are delivered a doctrine but how can you be delivered a doctrine unless somebody teaches you and how can somebody teach you unless he is anointed by the holy spirit and unless his god gives us gifts of anointed preaching how can we be truly set free Did you get that everybody you know all a small crowd i can do all this gymnastics 
What is what does it tell me? Sit under anointed teaching. Search for anointed teaching. How do you know whether it is really anointed? What does it so? What does it do to you? It will set you free from sin and make you slave of righteousness. In other words, you know what? Whenever you hear anointed teaching, you will get challenged and you will say, you know what? I want to put to death sin in my life. Otherwise, you know, brother, your sins have been forgiven. Come, every time come, sin forgiven. Sin forgiven, go home. Sin forgiven, go home. Sin forgiven, go home. That's what Srikar always tells. Pastor, Good Friday, Pastor. No mention of sin in any church. No mention of repentance in any church. No mention of being set free from sin in any church. So what does he do? He gives us the gift of anointed teaching. Sit under a teaching. Search for that teaching. And if you search, you will find it. If you seek him with all of your heart, the question is, you need to ask like Gideon, Lord, if I am truly a mighty man of valor, how come I am defeated with sin? Do you ask those questions to yourself? question is, do you know your sin? Do you know it? What your sin is? You know what David says in Psalm 18 verse 23? He says, I kept myself from my iniquity. He exactly knows what his iniquity is. And he keeps himself from his iniquity. So do you know your stronghold? Does the Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit revealed it to you? Has it? And it will, it will, it will show you whom you, whom, what you are really slave to, if you are a slave of righteousness or if you are a slave of sin. We'll stop here. We'll continue. Next week, let's pray. Father, I pray, Father, that you would birth new desires in each one of us. The desire to search you. Unless you birth it, we will not even desire you, Lord. That is what it says, Lord, in Romans chapter 5. And not only so, we joy in God, not in ourselves, but through the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the reconciliation and the atonement. I pray, Father, that each one of us we will truly experience you and we will begin to enjoy you. Father, through these 40 days, Lord, the words that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, it will become true in our lives. Your son, when he experienced this 40 days of fast, he went to a much bigger fast than we are going through as a church. But I pray, Father, by the end of these 40 days, we will have truly experienced that we will not just live by bread alone, that we will not labor for the meat that perishes, but we will labor for the food that gives us eternal life. And you alone have the words of life. Grant us grace. To that end we pray. 
Once again, we commit Pastor James into your hands. Through these days of this ministry trip, that you would bless him. Every place the sole of his feet would tread upon, you would give him that land. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen.